Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. This is Trey, and that's Stephanie. And you are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood, and we'll begin, as always, with uh, our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray pray for for us. us. St. John Paul II, pray Pray for for us. us. With the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Yes, thank you for joining joining the mystery of parenthood. Um, we just want you all to know that if you ever have any questions or um, suggestions for future shows, we'd love for you guys to text in, and we can address that um, in in our next show. Um, you can text in at nine seven nine two five five two six three three. So, any questions, comments, uh, ideas, we would. Uh, We'd love to hear them. We were excited the other day. We have some um, local moms that are wanting us to come speak on Theology of the Body for young kids. So um, it's great. It's all about us just sharing our faith and um, sharing our struggles and our successes. And as Trey and I always say, we're uh, we're not experts, just veterans. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we love to hear from you guys. So please text in 979-255. Two six three three, and we'd um, love to address whatever you whatever you got. Great, yeah. So um, today we're going to do something that we've done before with regard to kind of just in general. Specifically, um, it's something new. But as I, as we've talked about before, one of the one of the great things about being Catholic is our ability to take seriously the stuff that we that we can learn from secular. Um, venues, and then be able to extract from from those venues tidbits of the truth and show that there's there's actually room for dialogue because we can agree on a number of things. And this was kind of a strange one. It was actually I, I heard a I heard I guess it was Alyssa Treader on um oh, I heard Father Ryan's um, yeah, Father radio Ryan. show. Mm-hmm. And and she had mentioned that that she had watched this YouTube video that I guess was maybe part of a podcast. I don't remember what it was, but this particular motivational speaker named uh, Simon Sinek, I think, is how S I N E K. And and it sounds like he has some you know regular shows, but in in particular, um, he is addressing why millennials, which is. I guess labeled as anybody born kind of ni- after 1984 mm-hmm. going all. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that would that make me about 20, I guess. <laughs> so 20 years younger <laughs> is the beginning up through really, I think even now he'd probably say maybe not called mm-hmm. millennials, but I think the, I think that the, um, the things he talks about are applicable um to the show mm-hmm. and we can learn something from it. Mm-hmm. Basically what, what had happened was, is he had been approached or had come in contact with the fact that, that these millennials were struggling in the real world. In other words, as they went out into the real world, they were, they were harder to manage, harder to keep people moving forward, you know, keeping them moving forward, having them stick around. And basically he kind of breaks down into four areas the reasons that he believes that this is happening and i think his point is he's trying to help millennials 
better adjust to moving into the working world in real life. And he's also trying to help corporations recognize that these are the type of people that you're dealing with. Well, who are the type of people we're dealing with? Our children or, you know, (laughs) the children we're raising. Because as we go through those four things, I think you'll find that whether uh, probably for each of us, we probably could find a little bit of it in each of our children and in our parenting. And if we can't find it in ourselves, we certainly have run into children or situations uh, or families or whatever where where it's applicable. So I think it's pretty neat. We'll go through each one of those four aspects. Then we'll talk about how it applies to parenting and then show that it that is indeed um, something that can be addressed from a Catholic Christian perspective, certainly from a Catholic parent perspective. And hopefully we'll give each of us and everybody's listening um, some practical ways. Yeah, it was a go. really interesting, it's about 15 minutes. So if you have time to listen to it, there were, there were some things that I didn't really agree with him on. But um, again, it's always fun to go through, um, you know, secular things and hear what people are saying and talking about. But anyway, it's on YouTube and it's uh, called Simon Sinek, like I said, S-I-N-E-K, on Millennials in the Workplace. Um, and so, um, but some very, very interesting points and some things that we've probably actually joked about before. Right. Um, and, I, and I think the cool thing <laughs> is, is as you listen, and this is, again, we in, were meant as Catholics, as Christians, with the fullness of the truth to engage in, in dialogue with the culture. And it's really exciting when, when you see in the culture in a secular things that actually confirm what we know to be true theologically, and we can find points of agreement to start at. That's where that's where dialogue with the culture really is meant to begin. Because if we can find things that we agree on and say, oh yeah, I agree with that point, then we can extend it, at least the conversation at that. I think th- that's less antagonistic. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with maybe pointing out things that we disagree with, but if we can start with where we agree then from that and see that we kind of commiserate on certain things that, that that would provide the opportunity to be able to extend that into oh, these are some things that we disagree on. And that's the way it's meant. That's the way we as Catholics are meant to engage the culture. But it's really cool when you, when you see um, some things I, I, I didn't honestly didn't know what I was getting into when I, when I first saw it, I just, I had heard that, um, that Alyssa and I think, uh, Matt, people I trusted, both kind of said that, wow, this is a really neat YouTube video to, to watch. Um, wasn't really sure why they had said that, but I found it interesting that the four things, so these millennials struggling in the workplace, struggling and adapting and changing to the real world, he said four things. And the first one, which just struck me in between the eyes, because this was faulty parenting strategies. Um Faulty parenting strategies was the number one reason that he gave for the way the reason that they struggle. And and to kind of backtrack a little bit at the very beginning of the video, he talks about the characteristics of the millennia. I mean, they're very self-centered. Um, they're uh, they want to work in a place that um, where they can you know that that where they are have a purpose and and are you know doing something. You know, that's going to impact. That's going to impact. Which he said, "Well, that's great, but what does that really mean?" You know, um, <clears throat> oh, what were some of the other characteristics? Um, um, so very selfish, um, very, um, very impatient. Um, right, and that's what you know. Very, very tough to manage. Very entitled. Yeah, that's very that. entitled. I think I would add to that. Um, uh, show a lack of responsibility, like in terms of taking responsibility. Um, I think, you know, that I look at my kids' friends and they're all pretty responsible, but when you look at responsibility in terms of, you know, yes, I did that and, you know, I understand that there could be a consequence for that. I don't don't see that very much. Um, Yeah, I think that is... I, he didn't really address that, but, but I, and which I think, <laughs> which I think is good. But I think the, I think the reason is, is that, um, well, I, you can, you run across that quite a bit. I think, honestly, I mean, 
people that that I work with, you can see people who who won't take take responsibility for at least their mm-hmm. actions, mm-hmm. and we're all tempted to do that. But but anyway, I so the first one was faulty parenting strategies, and and you know, I mean, I, one of my favorite cartoons ever is The Incredibles. You know, <laughs> and, and and the reason is is kind of the this the whole everybody's everybody's special, you know, mentality. Um, he, he starts with saying that that's what we do. We actually, we actually groom these kids. They're told in the name of building self-esteem that they've, there've been a whole level, a whole group of parents that have been kind of instructed by modern culture to tell them they're special. They can do anything they want to do. If they just want to do it, they should be able to do it. And that's probably where the entitlement comes from to a certain extent. Well, and and he talked about along with that, that, you know, you got kids that are, um, you know, that are making good grades, not because they deserve it, but because their parents are intervening and, um, and, and the teacher's like done. She just is rather give them a good grade than deal with the parent or, um, that they get to be on a certain team that they shouldn't deserve to be on because, you know, again, a parent is, you know, and, and I think we've seen that the, the, I mean, you know, we call it the helicopter and now there's, they're the lawnmower. The lawnmower. I mean, you know, you've got helicopter parents that are, you know, like hovering over, you know, um, everything that their child does and, and intervening. And then you've got the lawnmower parents where, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. We know professors in college that are getting phone calls from parents, uh, you right. know, about grades and about assignments. And I mean, you know, just it's it's so crazy. And that's not to say we intervene with our kids when necessary. But at this point for us in time where our kids are, it's their attempt first, Um, whether it be a teacher, whether it be another student or friend, you know, whatever the situation, we role play and go through the situation and say, okay, no, you need to try to handle it. And if the outcome, you know, is, is, is not what you'd hoped, um, depending on the situation, then, then we will intervene. Sometimes the answer is, well, you know what? Sorry. That's kind of life. Sometimes you think something was handled wrong. You go and try to do something about it and it doesn't get resolved like you want, you know? Right. Um, but I mean, on, on, with regard to that, I think that the, one of the things that I, that I see, and and this is where they, where kind of the culture, the culture tends to take something that is true and kind of, morph it into something that's not. It is indeed true that every person on this planet is unique and unrepeatable, and our kids need to understand that they are unique and unrepeatable. They are indeed special because Jesus died for them just like he died for anybody else. So they are special. But what what happens is they overextend that to mean anything you want, you're special at, as opposed to recognizing that from a Christian perspective, we're all part of his body. We have all been given gifts. And that means that if you've been given the gift uh, to sing, then you ought to sing. If you don't like to sing and you have the gift and you decide that I want to write books or something, that doesn't mean writing books is necessarily the thing. In other words, we need to help our kids recognize what is the special talent, gift, strength, that God has given them and how does that fit into this world and see that. So they, we do indeed need to tell our kids, you are special. Jesus died for you. We do need to tell them you are unique and unrepeatable and you will never happen again. And something that you have to know is that you've been put on this planet at this time because you have something that God wants you to help him with on this planet. So there is that, which is true, but we have to qualify that by it's not up We have to discern, and parents, we need to help them discern what are those gifts. And sometimes part of what a parent needs to do is say, that really isn't one of your gifts. You know, there's something else probably that God wants you to do. Um, I've mentioned this before. Parents can be wrong about that. I mean, I, I, well, it was, it was accurate at the time, and this kind of lends itself to, there's a couple ways. If you see that a gift doesn't exist and somebody is really kind of driven towards that, 
the big mistake would be like the American Idol parent. Oh, that's exactly right? the example I was thinking. The American Idol parent, when the whole world has heard that that girl, or guy, they have no business singing, you could give them the best instructors for the rest of their life, and they are not going to sing. And you got the mom saying, well, they don't know what they're talking about. And you're going the whole time, yeah, they do. And you probably need to tell her she's got something else to do in this life. Right? So that's one part, which I think is important because we need to be able to tell our kids as parents, the loving thing to do is sometimes to tell you the hard thing, the thing maybe you don't want to hear. If we love them, we tell them that. That's not one of your gifts. I'll bend it a little bit more and say, I have been accurate in terms of saying that one of my kids was slow. Um, He took offense at it, and at the time it was accurate. And in my mind, I had extended it beyond where he was. Now that child, <laughs> because he because he works, you know, ran an eleven eight hundred meters yesterday, pretty fast. Finished second in his grade. Well, actually, tied with actually a sophomore in running. So he became fast. Now here's one thing: he works at it, and he and he decided he was going to work at it. And so the the other side is, is if you really feel compelled that that's something you want to do, as a parent, he asked, can I get this, this was probably four years ago, he said, can I get this access to this website that is, you know, whatever it is, the need for speed or something. I mean, yeah. it was some, it's some coach that teaches, mm-hmm. that teaches people how to get faster. And so I said, sure, you can do that. So as a parent, sometimes the answer is, well, maybe, okay, right now you're not, maybe we can work at it. Like sometimes you might hear a, a person who has some voice. Every once in a while, you hear a note hitting about right, or wow, that's you know, it's just not quite there. Then maybe working at it is what they're called to do. Sometimes the answer would be, "Oh no, <laughs> this is not yours." Another one could be, "Okay, you're not there yet. Maybe you need to work on it." And then another one would be, "Since it's not yours, let's find something else." Here's another gift that I think you have. But what a beautiful lesson in all of this, because in 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 his talk about, you know, about the characteristics, which the characteristics that he said that he saw impacted these millennials and the struggles that they were having were, as Trey said, parenting, technology, impatience and environment. And in the impatience aspect of it, he was talking about the fact that we are raising a generation that doesn't know what it's like to to wait, to work hard on something that doesn't come to fruition for a year or two years or, you know, um, that right. kind of thing. So, again, that's a that's a great example. It's kind of, as you two, they kind of all fold they in. All, yeah, they all kind of intertwine uh, upon each other. And I'm going to tell you, some of the things he talked about were very convicting. <laughs> they, they were. And so there's a there's a, there's a point, when we, and we'll get to the technology. I want to keep talking about the parenting strategy, yeah. but when we get to technology and this is a, this is a really valid point. Sometimes you'll find in secular circles or in even non-Christian circles, something that convicts you because what they're saying is actually, is actually better than what we're living and better than what we're in is more demanding. And we know it to be accurate. So sometimes we have to look to the world and say, Hey, you know what? They don't have the fullness of the truth, but they actually have done a better job of extracting what is true and applying it than we even have. And right. so there's a bit of humility there as well. But it shows that God, the truth is the truth is the truth. <laughs> Whether they know it's Jesus or not does not detract from the fact that the truth is the truth. So. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, I hesitate to to use like, you know, parenting is the you know the the issue that a child is the way they are I mean you know kind of thing I I think what this ought to bring to our mind what this ought to make us think about and think through is in the culture with which we live you know that whole that that I mean we've all heard we have to live in this world and 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 not be of this world and that's really so much easier said than done because when you get yes. on the racetrack of life it's very easy to get you know just all of a sudden you know jump in the you're you're you're, you're yeah and you're yeah it's taking you you know it's taking you downstream but i think what this i think what this characteristic ought to say to us is are we being true 
to what we believe, to what our moral values are, to what the church teaches us, um, to what our faith, you know, the importance um, aspects of our faith are we being, because I, I know we had this very discussion. Um, we certainly, I, I remember getting caught up when the kids were very little um, in all these beautiful things. I mean, I was going to this um, mother of preschoolers group, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, you know, going to kinder music and the, you know, the boys were in soccer and the girls were in dance. And I mean, <clears throat> you name it, we, we, we did something every day of the week. And I laughingly said, I was a stay at home mom that was never at home. Right. And our kids, my kids got used to that, you know, treadmill of where we're going today. What are we doing today? What, you know, and, and I was so stressed out. And when I finally realized that, God, we are doing too much. My kids are little, this is ridiculous. We need to be home. They need to be playing with sticks and rocks in the backyard and swinging and, you know, and so to sit down and go through all of my activities, it was like painful to figure out which things I were going to give up because they were all good. I mean, it was all good. But once I did, after I pulled the trigger and really pulled out of so many things, our life had such inner peace. I mean, we had such an interior peace and our kids were, you know, able to play and be, be with each other. And I wasn't always saying, hurry up, we're late, (laughs) you know? Um, So I think, you know, as part of this characteristic of of parenting being an issue, um, I I want us to hear, to think, be purposeful. That's, you know, we always talk about that purposeful parenting. And that means that you're thinking through, you know, why am I doing this activity? Why am I participating in this? Is that, you know, do we need this or do we need that? I mean, making some choices, because those are great examples for your kids as well, especially in a world when you have access to everything. I mean, our kids have access to everything. I was just talking to my son last night about this very thing. And, and, and he was actually saying, I wish there was something that we could put on our phones and our computers where it didn't, you know, like when you go to one thing, it doesn't give you all these other choices to, you know, to go look into like it, he goes, and I wouldn't, I would not view that. This was very shocking. I don't think I've told you this. I was very shocked to hear him say, I would not view that as you guys taking something away from us. I would view that as protection. Those were his very words. Wow. So I was I like, wow, you know, that's coming from a kid who's, you know, I mean, he's driving, he's got, he's got a lot of freedoms, you know? Right. Um, and so I just thought it was very interesting that, um, you know, so again, just as parenting, uh, I want you to hear that, you know, just be purposeful. Be, what is make that? I sure think that, that, yeah. I, I think we got to think about the long term. So, so self esteem, he makes a really good point about the, the trophy for everybody who participates deal. He said that they've actually done studies that, that, when you have everybody getting a trophy, even the person who finishes last because they just participated, that there's something in inside of us that that actually makes us aware of the fact that as a kid I don't deserve a trophy because I'm I'm not very good at this, and and that he said that they're actually showing that their self esteem is further diminished because they receive it and they recognize that they don't deserve it, and so they feel even worse about themselves because in addition to not doing well at whatever they were competing at, they now have a reward that they, that they know they don't deserve yet. They get, it gets ingrained over and over, you know, as you know, in the Incredibles, the, the, the villain in that says, you know, if everybody's special, then no one's special. <laughs> and that's kind of, it's kind of in us, but I think it's important on the parenting thing to just remember this. Our job is to try to get them prepared to go out into the real world. All right. Our job is to get them to go. So they need to be confronted with truth and love because honestly, the world will, will give them the truth, but they won't ever come. Very rarely will it come with love. 
So the best place for that to happen is for parents to lovingly say, I don't think this is your gift. God still loves you. Jesus still died for you. You are unique and unrepeatable. That's being purposeful. But to just say you're special, you can do anything you want, whatever, is an over-exaggeration of what the truth is. And it's for, for us because the world will hit them square upside the head with the truth without the cushioning of what love, the love of a parent can bring. So parenting strategies, just, just make sure that we're, we're telling them what is true. They are indeed special. They are unique and unrepeatable. But that does not mean that anything that they desire to do is on the table. Right. So the second yeah. one, if you, unless you had anything more on that, the second one was on on technology. Um, I think there were a few points, a few points on the technology. He was saying, and I didn't, I didn't know this, and I'd be interested in going that 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 technology actually releases this dopamine in 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 the mind that the same that uh that gambling or um. What I forget. Drugs, Drugs, alcohol, alcohol Mm -hmm. does. And he talks about how in this stress filled world, you know, that there's a kind of a comical point there where he says, you know, in this stress filled world, we're giving them something and having them OD on something that actually produces dopamine. Can you imagine saying, hey, I know you had a rough day today. Here's the liquor cabinet or, (laughs) you know. uh, Well, that's the point he made. He said, you know, we have age restrictions on drinking and gambling and, you know, and drugs are illegal. And um, yet we are we buy them and let them keep in their possession 24 seven. Well, that's what was very convicting about it. Yeah. Is that, you know, he said, if you are waking up in the morning and the first thing you do is look at your phone before you tell your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, you know, talk to a person and tell them good morning, you're addicted. Right. If you, you know, and I loved this because this is our totally our kids. Excuse. Yes, no, I, know. I know what you're going <laughs> to say. We've tried to get we've, we've talked about plugging them all in in the kitchen, you know, at night. And and we, we've never, you know, I don't know. We've never done that. Maybe we should have. You know, I, I don't know. I know some families who do. Um, again, something that you need to pray and be purposeful about. But, um, he said, he said, yeah, people say, well, no, I I have to keep it in my bedside because that's my alarm. Oh my gosh. My kids totally use that excuse. And he's like, buy an alarm. They're eight bucks. I'll buy you an alarm. I mean, (laughs) it's like, you know, because if you can't sleep at night and you wake up, what what do you do? You know, are these kids, they, they, I mean, there's even been studies going on now that kids are not getting a complete and total good night's rest because their dings are on. And, and so they're, you know, they're getting dinged by friends at two o'clock in the morning or, you know, whatever. And, and they're waking up and responding. Um, right. You know, so yeah, it was very, I mean, I know we've talked about this before about, you know, technology and immediate gratification and, um, but you know, it's like he said, and, and so true as with anything, it's a balance, you know, right. um, he was talking about the fact that, you know, because of the because of technology, kids are not learning how to depend on each other. They're not learning to. I mean, I laughingly call it the three dimensional people. You know, when you when you're um, when you you go out to dinner or when we're having dinner, there's nothing that makes me angrier than a phone brought out at the dinner table. And and you know that's a rule in our house is no phones at the dinner table. Well, this guy went even as far to say as if I'm going out with friends. We all leave our phones at home, right. except except maybe one. So he said, so in case we, you know, need to get an Uber or take a picture of our food, right. <laughs> you know, which of course was a joke. But, um, but yeah, I mean, can our, you know, we all, we talk about this with our kids a lot. If you can't say no to it. Right. It's an addiction. Well, and that's, and that's actually a good point for Lent. Because because yeah. part of part of Lent is oh, like ideas check, we're going to be talking about it, is checking <laughs> is checking yourself to see because the reason we say no is not is not just to say no it's to check are we can we do without it is it possible to do without it I, I remember multiple times where I think and this is a good check too when you take it away as a consequence for something that they've done or they haven't handled something and you remove it, 
I remember, and I with with multiple children. I mean, it's like, and this is when we knew. Okay, you probably got a problem. Is the level of I can't do it. You can't. You can't take that away from me. You can't take it away. I mean, and crying about it, and and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're you are addicted to it, um, and and you got to be careful. And he does say that it really is an addiction because it actually is releasing the same. He said all the the you know the likes the you know the comments. He said, I mean, he said, you know, when it's when 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 you get a ding and you look you look at that phone and someone has liked your thing or they've commented or you know it 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 releases the same chemical in our bodies that alcohol drugs and you know other addictions well, so, um, make I mean, us to make us feel good you know uh, there were a couple other points one that I thought was was really good is he talks about the fact and and I know I do this because of work you know always saying I can I can get work done here and there is is he talks about and he's even talking about in meetings but but it goes with families saying that you know what we do is we carry the phone we carry the phone into that and we're going and going until somebody calls the meeting to order and then we magnanimously put it down and what he says is is that most relationships are built on those non-purposeful I mean I don't purposeful non um agendized moments the, yeah. the just the impromptu the impromptu hey how's it going did you see this just those conversations that really come out of nowhere as opposed to being something that's structured we're going to talk about this but you think about that meeting. whenever we're having to wait for anything what is everybody doing right they're on their phone they're on the phone they're not having small talk they're not having you know what went on with you today i mean like i said it, it there were some things I did not agree with him on, but there were some things that I was like, oh my goodness, we are going to have, because I'm, I'm going to let the kids watch it tonight. Cause I, yeah, because I think it's a good it's one. It's a too. great, yeah, he's kind of entertaining and um, and it was short. Like I said, it was like 15 minutes. Right, so. and he's definitely not Catholic, probably not no. Christian, but but his point, his point on that that I think is really there is that we need, we don't need to fill every moment with something filling it. We can we can just sit together, have nothing to scheduled to talk about. It doesn't have to be an agenda item, and just talk. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going? Or how did this? You know, whatever. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that was. I mean, I've heard Matthew Kelly talk about kind of those. You need to have those times that are unscripted, unorchestrated, just time together with somebody with with no no agenda because that's what relationships kind of get built on they they get built on not the stuff we do together but time the times that we just spend together when it's just I'm concerned about you or I want to hear about what your day was like um and so I I thought that was that was really um important he also I think there was another important portion that he talks about is the fact of the level the the high amount of depression anxiety, sadness, primarily because if you're if your access to the real world is through is through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you don't get a realistic picture of what's going on. So everybody else's life is wonderful because they have that great food plate in front of them or yeah. they I have, ca- you know I call it the Facebook false filter. Right. I mean <laughs> and so it, it is I think it is that was a great point, I thought. Mm. That he's saying that's why we're having unprecedented numbers of of suicides in, in teen years because they're they're they think their life is horrible, <laughs> and everybody else seems to be happy and laughing and no problems. Well, it's not. It's because they never actually get to know the other person. They don't. They don't ever get to. Well, and they don't get to what's real. He talked about there's the, you know you don't have meaningful relationships over text and through Facebook and Instagram. I mean, those are, you know, and, and I know we've talked about this with our kids. Those are snippets of things that you're sharing with people. But that's not real. That's not, that's not, um, <laughs> I've got a girlfriend and I that talk about, that's not swimming in the deep. That's swimming in the shallow, right. you know. Um, so to have something mean, meaningful is those unscripted times of time, right. you know. Because uh, I, I know we've talked about this too, that the whole you know, oh, the quality of time thing. 
you don't know when that quality is going to come if you're not spending quantity because right. quality is not orchestrated. Sometimes it can be. I'm not saying you can't plan a date or, you know, but when you, I, I challenge you to go back and think about some of the most, you know, meaningful conversations or meaningful times in your life. And granted, I'm sure you'll be able to come up with a few parties or celebrations, you know, but think about the things that just happened because you happen to be somewhere and someone else happened to be somewhere and you stopped for coffee or, you know, it's those kinds of things that we're not availing ourselves to because we've got our thumbs and our faces in our phones. Right. And I think so. So something to take forward is, is I think it does make sense to, for as a family to make a commitment at moment at, at times to say we are completely going to unplug we're going to turn them off we're going to put them somewhere else and we're just going to be together and see if we actually like each other <laughs> you know what i mean I no mean, i was uh, i was very challenged by by his cuz he um, says in meetings at his at where he works mm-hmm. and when he does that he makes people yeah. turn their phone at yeah. before meetings makes people turn their phones in outside the office yeah the people that work for him <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah he said that there's nothing that drives him more crazy than your phone on the table i mean he said and i don't care if it's face up or face down you're saying you're not as important as the person that might call me <laughs> right yeah and i think the other thing that he said which i think is really and i've tried to point this out to my kids as well particularly the guys he talks about you also get an unrealistic kind of view of your of yourself and and it's so true because i've talked about it he does if you watch it he does a kind of a a mimic of a of a young boy who's trying to figure out what to say to a girl you know like he's stumbling over his words and he's saying nobody gets to experience that you know they 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 launch a i like you do you want to go out you know over over this they don't know what it's like to experience Oh my gosh! What am I going to say next to this girl, or you know, how is she going to receive that? And that's real life, right? You know, I always tell the kids, I said, you know, when there was no cell phone, when I called a girl to ask somebody, to ask the girl out, the first person I talked to was typically either the mom or the dad. You would talk about who do you really want to talk to? I mean, you don't, you, you I mean, you automatically there's a pretty good sieve there that says. Do I really want to go through the possibility that I might have to talk to an adult <laughs> to get to the to get to the girl and you all of a sudden have a a qualifier? Eh, she's not worth that. And and I and I think that that's part of real life that I've got there are sometimes you're going to be put in situations where you have to put yourself out there and you might experience rejection, you might experience something that's not what you planned and he's saying that we're raising a group of guys and I think girls too, but he was talking about guys that that doesn't know what it's like to actually put themselves out there really with another person. And therefore they, in their mind become a stud (laughs) when in fact they've done nothing studly. Um, I think it's a, I mean, I think that that's a really good point. Um, I think we've tried to, you know, we always said there there will be no asking somebody out on, on via text or Instagram that will be a voice call or a face-to-face deal. There will be no breaking up if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend that's not a voice call or face-to-face because people deserve that. But again, technology sometimes, oftentimes, diminishes your your uh, understanding of what is real, both in terms of what other people are going through and maybe you're thinking that they've got it all perfect and you're screwed up or actually a, an accurate assessment of you I'm a stud when in fact I don't even know what it's like to actually talk to another person. So that was another technology was that the, the next one I think shouldn't surprise anybody. Number three. So the first one is parenting, faulty parenting techniques or strategies. The second was technology. The third was these people, these people have impatience, which again, these kind of s- struggle with this, but impatience he says is another thing that doesn't, allow for joy in in their life. They don't know what it is to work at something and do it. He talks about he he must he's a motivational guy and and has interactions with these millennials and he'll say, you know, this person's got a great job at a at a great corporation and everything's going well and and 
looks like everything's fine and he'll go, Hey, so how's it going? And the person will go, I'm thinking about quitting. And he's like, why are you going to quit? He goes, cause I'm not making an impact on this company. And he's like, you've been here eight months. I mean, you can't, how do you have an impact in eight months? There's a sense like that. That's it. And he talks about the fact that it's a human experience of setting a goal, working towards it, gaining experience and knowledge and the joy that comes with, with actually realizing something that you've worked long and hard towards that people who quit at the end of eight months, instead of giving themselves time to do it, will never experience the joy of hard work and the, and the, and the rewards of sticking to something, which again, I think, I mean, you can, he doesn't talk about this, but that, that can, you can look at all the important, like marriage that, you know, the fact that that's a long ongoing process with ups and downs and struggles, and maybe it's not going, maybe it is going, but, but the stick to itness that he's saying is, is kind of leaving because they're so used to, well, if I want, to watch this show. He, he actually talks about Netflix and binge watch, binge watching. He's like, you know, when we grew up, you could watch, you know, Gilligan's Island. It was another week before you could watch the next Gilligan's Island or the ne- another day that we learned to have to wait. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and he says, you know, there are actually people that I've never done this, but actually people who will let a whole season go by so that they can spend a whole weekend watching you name it, designated survivor or whatever, all at one time. Like watch the whole thing from start to finish, and he's and he's like, we're 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 making people say that it needs to come now, all of it. I don't want to have to have those momentary waits, and I think that's a great point too. Right? No, he. I laughed because he the point about the movie. You know, he said, I mean, we have access to any movie we want to see. You don't have to go look up times and wait till. You can go on the weekend or a convenient time or whatever. I mean, you just pull it up on your computer and there you go. So we, I mean, you know, and that's something obviously in the environment that our kids are, you know, um, are, are, are being exposed to and, and, and have access to. And, and it, you know, it just is what it is. So when you see an opportunity for a child to, to work at something or create something, you know, that they have to work on, um, and, and the gratification won't be instant, let it happen, you know? Well, that's what I, I, like um, think, about, I think about the one that's now fast. Right. Yeah. The, is it the son that's fast? He's, 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 he is, he is, he has worked and worked and worked at it. And he is, and he is, he actually ran that race, not even doing it because he just wanted to see. And he was even a little bit faster than he was last year, even though he hadn't been working on that. And I, there, you can tell there's, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of, good pride mm-hmm. and I, I've worked at it. There's a little bit of excitement, you know, but it's something that he's worked on for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, probably year even three. in the face mm-hmm. of a dad saying, you know, you're slow, it's probably not <laughs> one of your gifts. And now he's one of the faster kids out there. Now, obviously I, I misread I, at the time it was accurate, but I misread his ability to go forward. Plus I also misread the fact that he was willing to put in the work and continue to work at it. And he's not asking for, quantum leaps he recognizes that it's bit by bit mm-hmm. and a lot of work to just get a little bit in return mm-hmm. we want those people we want people like that we right. want people that that makes for good husbands and good wives you know i, I got i'm i'm in this and we're gonna work and now there's bad times and there's good times but at no point are we quitting you know right. we're moving forward mm-hmm. so i think impatience and those kind of i think those three those three go together. The 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 parenting that they're kind of everybody's special and and that and then the and then the second the technology you know unrealistic view of things and then impatience as being something that um, that doesn't allow us to experience the joy of hard work over time. You know, I mean, I know as a parent, I mean, I I'm just now getting glimpses of this. I remember my my kind of seeing this in my grandparents. But, you know, we've been married, what, 28 years? I mean, and to look, and, and every once in a while you get a glimpse of your kids and you're like, golly, I mean, all that work, you know, you get these glimpses of like, wow, they, they actually listened, you know, to this. They, they've they turned out better than 
than I thought, or they're really now a, a good young man or a good young lady. And that takes years. <laughs> and the level of joy that you feel is because of, because of that long-term commitment. Mm-hmm. So those three were kind of, those three were kind of that. And then the, he throws an environment and this, he's talking specifically to a corporation, but I think you could extend it to just real life in general, not just a corporation because, because what he goes to, on to say is, and then you've got these things, they've been told they're special. They've been told that they've been, they've been told that, Hey, I'm a stud. And, and when, when indeed I'm not, they've convinced themselves of that. You know, they, they are, they're impatient and think that they can get, you know, become the CEO of a company just because they decide to do it. And he goes, and all of a sudden they get thrown into the real world. And what happens is, you know, your mama can't get you, your mama can't get you a job promotion, can't get you a job promotion. <laughs> you, you know, you, 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 uh, you don't get an award if you're not good at what you do. You know, they don't, you're not special. You're not any more special than anybody else that you do have a pecking order and you don't just because you want to be the CEO become the CEO overnight. I think that's, that's real life. And that's kind of like, that's the end. And we got to recognize that the world is not like that, which is why I think we have to go back to the three things as parents, as we look at it and say, are we helping them deal with learning that it's important to be patient? Are we helping them understand that really interactions with real people and dealing with them on real subjects in often uncomfortable circumstances, that's something that they need to experience when we're around as parents. So we're not afraid to tell them, you need to go talk to your teacher by yourself regarding this problem. You thought this was unfair. You need to, you need to do it. Why? That's uncomfortable. But that's real life. You've got to be able to go and, what is it? for yourself. I mean, you got to kind of go yeah, speak, for, advocate, advocate, yeah, advocate, advocate for yourself, for Exactly. you know, and, and we stand as parents, here's the comfort level. We'll stand behind you. And if we think that they're being unreasonable, we'll do it. If we, we're always going to encourage you first and we're not going to stand back there and, and do it, but we want you to do it. And hopefully that there's some success gleaned, but at least they've had to confront real life with real issues, and it's them with somebody else. Well, and hopefully, I mean, you know, some of those are going to be successful and they're going to maybe change somebody's mind or, you know, and sometimes there's not. Again, it's real life. Real life. That's you right. know, there's... you don't always get what you want every single time, but sometimes when you stand up for what's right and you're able to, um, you know, make a good argument or, you know, and, and make a good, uh, you have a good conversation with someone it turns out beautifully, you know, right. and um, and so that's when you you know you role play with your kids, and then you know you follow up and find and, out what they did. Like yeah, we had a situation yeah. where we found that our that one of our kids had gotten flustered in in the conversation because of the way a teacher responded, and then when we f- dug further, he didn't really articulate the main points that would have at least given the teacher a possible understanding of where he was coming from. And so he had to say, look, you've you got to really, you, when you're dealing with a know that it's going to be uncomfortable right. and know that they may not respond as you would hope they would. But if you've got a good point, you need to be man enough to be able to articulate, not out of anger or whatever, to actually express, here's my point one, point two, point three, and allow that to happen. Guess what? That's preparing them for the real world. <laughs> right. Right. You don't want the first time that they have to do that to be when they're gone and and you're not around, and and that so that's that's important. And I think so. And um, technology, I think that we can all work on that, but recognize that dealing with, as Stephanie says, the three dimensional people <laughs> is is imperative. So you have to unplug at some point and deal with the reality of there's a human person there, right. which again, gets back to the dignity of the, of the other person. It's not the phone. It's not what they've got on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. They are a human being. So anyway, those, those four, I think is my prepare them for the real world, deal with technology, help them to be, to learn patience and tell them the truth about themselves, both that they're special, but that they might have gifts and help Help them to mold, yeah, help, help mold, mold them and that. pray for those, pray those for are those old, gifts. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. And, so yeah, if y'all again, if you want to, uh, to um, 
go and look up this uh, this it's gentleman. Easy, yeah. It's, yeah, it's Simon. Yeah, and he has quite a few things. Right. Um, I, and he was really he was very interesting. Uh, He's funny. I, you, yeah, I think it kind of reminded me of my Matthew Kelly. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> my Matthew Kelly best of you know best Lent ever devotional. Yeah, he's kind of a secular Matthew Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said again. You know, it's it's always interesting to glean points that you can pull out and 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 use with the transparency of our faith, you know, our Catholic faith over. But he's um, his name is Simon Sinek, S I N E K, and it's uh, this particular one that we talked about today has uh, been millennials in the workplace. So um, I thought I don't know what what made me after after listening to <clears throat> excuse me listening to his um, to his spiel on these characteristics of of uh, of our millennials it made me think of of the fruits of the spirit and um you know that those are virtues um and and characteristics uh that we and values that we want to um mold into our children and so um so the memory verse for this week is galatians 5:22 and 23 on the other hand the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience Kindness, goodness, trustfulness, gentleness, and self-control. No law can touch such things as these. So I think that's a great verse for us to memorize as parents and, um, and, and to be purposeful with our parenting. And remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Hope you all are having a holy and blessed Lent. God bless. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 